0: you like wine, literally go and spend some time there because I was blown away and it's in my own country and I hadn't actually just taken the time to explore it. We yeah, only yeah. stayed there because friends said, hey, we've got a spot, come over. And we mm-hmm. were like, cool, why not?
1: Yeah, I think if you could take a couple of days, maybe even a week, to, to just drive up and down those vineyards and whatever, that would be amazing. That's just a good holiday. You know, that's a Absolutely. nice way to spend a bit of time. Yeah. Um so next time, next in fact next time I come over, you'll have your own place, won't you? So yeah. Yeah, um yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I'll, I'll pop in and say hello yeah. there. Yeah. bed. Plettenberg yeah. Bay. I'm going to Google that. Um, okay, everybody. Welcome to Brain Food Live on Air. It is episode 197. Can you believe it? We're near near to our bicentennial, uh, 197. Wow. Um, we're bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. Thank you, everybody, for joining us and supporting the show. I think it's been going for like four four years now maybe even nudging five because we weren't consistently Amazing. every week in the early days. So it's been great to do it. Wonderful to, to meet so many people. And in fact, one of the favorite things for me to do in brain food live is occasionally take a virtual world tour. Um, and this is where we go and visit a certain country or a certain region that we don't hear too much about, or we hear different things about and speak to local recruiters to try and figure out what exactly is the real situation in that country with regards to hiring. And indeed, what can we learn from how people do things there? Um, Because as ever, there's universal challenges in recruiting, but sometimes the local conditions will force unique solutions. Can we pick some of that up? Can we learn? Can we figure out exactly how that works? And finally, 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 in the world of global talent mobility and world of remote working and so on, our need to understand different regions in terms of how they operate is going to be critical for our ability to provide value to our employers and our customers. So that's another reason why we do brain food live on air. Um, anyway, we have to welcome Vanessa, Vanessa Rath, the very famous Vanessa Rath onto the show. <laughs> Great to see you, Vanessa. This lady's always going to smile, even though she's not 100% because uh, you have broken the record for the number of COVID instances haven't you uh, vanessa i
0: have i have i've even surprised myself and one of my friends suggested yesterday i need to donate my body to medical science to go and figure <laughs> out why i keep care i just think that i need to stop being so affectionate because i get so excited when i see people i've got to embrace everyone and hug them and chat and i think that's my problem
1: i was i i hoped pl- I, I you plenty vanessa um okay. but i i i tested myself uh, as soon as you texted me and i was clear again so i wonder whether you somehow do the do the thing for the humanity. Just absorb the COVID and just take it in. And everyone <laughs> okay, else but is enough. Okay,
0: now. okay yeah.
1: enough. So much. Uh, <laughs> <gonna> <laughs> well, listen. If you need to duck away uh, and have a lie down at some point, we, we totally understand. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> folks, let's do some sound checks as usual. I want to make sure everyone here is okay. I've actually changed the camera on my on my setup, and I've also location as well. So, just want to make sure everyone can hear and see me and Vanessa. Okay, if you're on Crowdcast, let me know on the chat there uh, whether the audio and video is fine. We should be broadcasting this everywhere on LinkedIn, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and all sorts. Uh, So if you're on LinkedIn in particular and you're watching on my uh, profile there, let me know whether you can hear me okay. Denara, I think you mentioned something there, so I suspect you can. But let me know uh, in a comment there whether the the audio and visual is fine. Uh, Okay, Jane, thank you very much. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Teresa. That's all good. Looks like it's all fine. Uh, Okay. Let's have a quick word to our sponsors, folks, because we cannot do this show without the support of our sponsors. Every week, a company stepping up and saying, You know what, Hong, let's put this, uh, let's keep this show on the road. I want to keep you here. So, this week, it's actually a really significant company in the UK that's got a massive kind of uh, uh interest in South Africa. It is Join Talent, uh, Join Talent, their recruitment uh process outsourcer. The, I think they've reached one of the Uh, A top 50 fastest growing companies in the UK. They've been really uh, a fantastic business over the last five years. Very quickly have become a real dominant player in their niche, which is helping companies that are scaling up higher uh, talent from anywhere in the world. And one of the best things that they did right from the get go is to go remote only for their own businesses, uh, for their own recruiters. And they ended up recruiting a load of South African recruiters into their team. I think a third of their business. Yeah, I think a third of their business is South African. So effectively a South African business. Um, So, folks, um, something you should take care of. They've also produced an amazing resource, which I thoroughly recommend everyone take uh, a look at and download. It's a series of uh, guides for talent leaders. And I haven't seen the level of depth and quality in this written content at least in the pre-chat GBT world, Uh, you know. uh, I know this is written before we had generative AI, and it is fantastic. If you're a recruitment leader, if you're a TA leader of any type, um, and you feel as if there's gaps in your knowledge, Go ahead and just check out the link I've just shared in the chat stream there. Someone can pull that out and stick it into the LinkedIn Live event. That would be great as well. Uh, Go ahead and download all of that content. It's all for free. It's it's all you need to do. Go ahead and grab it. Um, Okay, let's get on with the show. Um, We are talking about hiring in South Africa. I think South Africa has got to be one of the most famous countries on the planet um, lots of reasons why, it's incredible history, of course, it's unique yep. conditions, it's unique journey. Um, and and I, But I think a lot of people don't know anything about how to recruit there. Um, yep. Or they don't know anything about how the culture is, the legal environment, how to operate, what are the conditions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, Van, um, over to you to begin with. You're the co-host for the show, but you're also a person that's very interesting in the sense that you've worked in South Africa, you've worked outside of South Africa, and currently you you deal with customers from all over the world. So how would you kind of describe uh, a, a company that's looking to hire people in South Africa, for instance, or maybe they're setting up an office there for the first time? What are the things do you think that they're going to need to know ASAP, uh, you know, that U.S. company is looking to know, or a French company you would have no idea on?
0: So first of all, Hung, you forgot to say what a beautiful country we are and what an amazing uh, group of human beings we are. You know, we're the rainbow nation for good reason. Um, And I think it's a wonderful idea for people to invest in South Africa and open businesses here what i always hear when i travel is that we love south africans south africans are some of the most hardworking, passionate dedicated people that we have ever employed or that we've ever met and i think that that's something that people don't always know and they wouldn't unless they'd worked with the south african The other thing that works really well for South Africa is our position. So, um, you know, I always uh, say to my family that we could never immigrate anywhere because this is perfect from a time zone perspective. I can have meetings in one day to New Zealand and 12 hours later, I can be finishing meetings to uh, the US. And I'm not advocating you work a 12 hour day, but we are perfectly positioned to catch everyone within our time zone. Um, And I think that that really makes it amazing. And another good reason, especially for UK-based companies, is the time zones. I mean, we're sitting at the moment in your winter in a two-hour time difference. In your summer, we go to one hour. So it's, it's, it's a perfect way to be able to, to, to work. I know a lot of South Africans that are working here in customer care, web support, um, because of the time zones and it's easy you know, to, to mix and match. And I'll probably say the last thing is that We have 11 official languages in South Africa, about as colorful as our population. But English is so widely spoken. English is seen as the business language. So you're going to find people who literally speak the best English within your time zone, who are working in a currency that at the moment, I think we're sitting at 20 or 21 to the pound at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you literally can get amazing quality, amazing talent, great people. You can still pay them more than what they would earn from a South African perspective, but you will pay them a lot less than what you would pay the same person living in the UK with all of the London, you know, costs of living. So for me, it's a no-brainer at all. And I've helped several companies, especially recruitment agencies, actually on a call last night with a lady in Glasgow uh, from a very well-known company chatting to me about, you know, recruiting South African recruiters. And I see it happening joint talent prime example they have got some of the best south african recruiters that are recruiting for them and in turn has enabled a lot of them to move around the country so they're not tired to having to live in johannesburg anymore i know a lot of the joint talent team are now sitting in beautiful places in and around south africa which is a, a win-win situation for both parties
1: you know what the south African tourist board should employ Vanessa um because that's like a a, a, a spectacular pitch uh as good a pitch I've heard for the country as, uh, as, as 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 i've heard actually a couple of things actually just to renew i mean it's, it's really interesting isn't it so number one you can say there's and I mean we haven't even talked about the, the the fifth the fifth and sixth thing which is of course the the, the human potential there there's 40. 40 For million sure. people, I think, in South Africa. Yes. So it's a big population, yes. also a young population as well. So you can think about a long uh, 10, 20-year plan if you're going to grow a business there. and Potentially, your access to human resources is going to be very, very strong. But the main things we're talking about yeah. right now are English language proficiency is as mm-hmm. good as native. Um, you've got time zone advantage, which is difficult to replicate, particularly if you're dealing with Europe and, let's say, East Coast um, in yeah. the U.S., Uh, In fact, you know, who else? There's probably not a European country, maybe outside of the Netherlands, I guess, that would speak English to, to the same degree of standard. And of course, cost. I mean, there is a scenario where there is a big cost differential and you could get like elite talent for very good salary, but not for ridiculous salaries that we've been needing to pay. So taking advantage of that obviously makes uh, sense, uh, particularly with uh, the shift to remote. And very interesting actually, Van, you mentioned about the recruiters that you're speaking to potentially setting up offices in, in, in South Africa. I think that's possibly a big market because recruiters yep. are a nightmare to recruit. I mean, tr- is that not the case? I mean, even with redundancies coming and all the rest of it, everyone wants to set up their own business, no one wants to be an employee, etc. Very, very difficult to do. Why don't you just hire someone who's got the hunger, got the talent, got the right time zone, right ethic, right language skills and they just, just like and i don't know two thousand miles south them. or whatever
0: yeah yeah let them work remotely now don't even worry about setting up an office just have a workforce here because you know some south africans yes do want to go back into an office most most south africans i would say and this is a, a big thing to say wouldn't want to they're quite happy working remotely mm-hmm. um you know we have our challenges uh we have the load shedding but most people who are working from home are actually better set up than offices with you know at home, they've got generators, they've got inverters. So it's less disruptive for people to go and sit in traffic, especially if you're in the big cities, than um, to sit at home and just get on with it. And I think that that's a fantastic setup that South Africans will embrace.
1: Do you know what? That's actually a really interesting point because, uh, folks, if you don't know the term load shedding, if you're watching this from outside okay. of South Africa, uh, it's basically, I suspect all of us are going to have to get used to it, by the way. Uh, it is a, a, a technique that's a term to describe um, essentially a succession of supply of electricity, uh, planned succession because you're trying to balance the the the, the, the energy throughout the grid. Um, and it means that essentially the electricity goes off in a particular area of the country. Now, obviously that's gonna be a very significant issue if you're uh, uh, working in a digital space or, or particularly if you're online all the time, suddenly out of internet, uh, you need to have a backup. Um, and the backup is essentially either a, a battery or a, a petrol generator. Um, now, it seems to be that, um, People who, as you say, Van, people who are working from home might have already improved their provisioning for these things yeah. ahead of offices and buildings because presumably you're going to need a bigger battery to power a big building, right? So yeah. whereas in a home setup, if it's a two-person thing, you don't need that big an infrastructure. So it seems that there is uh, opportunities to do that. And yeah, low shedding was, was, was a problem. I mean, that was an example last week when uh, I was doing a Brain Food Live oh, from Cape Town. Obviously, I couldn't come online. Some of that was to do with load shedding. I couldn't come on uh, and it just like scrambled the Wi-Fi or whatever. So so there, there are issues. But if the yeah. if the uh, sort of alternative or the backup engine was there, we would have been fine. It should have been no issue. So very, very interesting indeed. Yep. Um. Let's talk to some local recruiters, Van. Let's get their perspective. Sure. We've got a lot of different people. We've got agency side. We've got in-house recruiters. Uh, we've got Jonathan's going to come on and give a perspective from the uh technology and uh, wider macro perspective as well I don't think we can get everyone on at the same time folks so I, I'm gonna have to just bring people on maybe in twos and threes I hope that's okay um and then we can see where we go so let's see whether we can firstly um where yeah I just people commenting about
0: solar yeah solar is a great idea in South Africa with the beautiful weather that we have it's definitely something we're looking into when we move Okay, um, Meg,
1: I'm going to bring you on now. Lorata, I think I see you as well. Lorato, should I say, let's bring you on. Um, and I think is here as well. Now, uh, Norma mentioned to me that she was actually on a mobile, so hopefully that's still going to be okay. Uh, I understand it's a holiday today, isn't it? Um, in South you know,
0: next, next week, Tuesday is a holiday. Yeah, we've got right. our human rights day, which is oh. very exciting. So I think most South Africans are taking Monday off except for those people who forget that it's a public holiday and book international work
1: do you know what i always forget my holidays as well like i am like booking yeah. things in easter no one cares it's like does no one like me no they've got lives to lead home um you know that's exactly. exactly. anyway we have we have megan here megan great to see you um and we have lorato as well megan can you quickly introduce yourself who are you what it is you do
2: Sure. Thanks. Um, I'm Megan Petty. I've just recently started, um, as senior talent marketplace specialist for NTT limited. Um, so I look after internal mobility, global mobility and campus hiring. Um, and before that, I headed up the TA, the TA team for Dimension Data, which is a subsidiary of NTT. Uh, prior to that, I was part of the TA team. I've also got RPO and agency experience, um, from before when I went internal.
1: Fantastic stuff, and uh, we have Lorato as well. Great to see you. Uh, you're on mute, by the way. Yeah, Lorato. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do?
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Lorato. Um, I am currently working at the newly founded um, TFG Omnichannel, which is the bash platform. Um, And I'm an internal recruiter there, been there for about a year. And before that, I was actually at a talent marketplace uh, called OfficeN. I think a lot of people know of Yes. So tech recruitment has always been a passion of mine. Um, And before that, I actually tried my hand um, out of internal recruitment into agency for a little bit at PeopleSolved until obviously COVID happened. And then the world basically flipped upside down um so at the moment i am recruiting predominantly engineering um kind of staff and people um and yeah that's my primary focus in addition to optimizing internal systems such as ats's and one of the bigger uh, projects that i'm currently working on which um i think is a big thing kind of going off topic here but it's a big thing in South African hiring in my opinion is also um, campus hiring within the engineering sphere and really just creating these incubator programs um, to help out people who don't actually have the level of access you would otherwise have.
1: That's very interesting and definitely we should talk about the tech side of it because I think tech recruiting is, is obviously a big deal for everybody and maybe there's an opportunity there for companies to speak to South Africa's uh, a talent and see how they can uh, connect. We have Norm here. Uh, great to get you on there, Norm. I know you're you kind of uh, uh, sort of with the mobile here, so hopefully they'll still work okay. Uh, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do?
4: Hi everyone. I hope you can all hear me okay. I'm currently working from my mobile because it's been my birthday, so I'm actually not anywhere near my laptop. But I'm one of the talent acquisition specialists at Kindred. Uh, which is a global marketing, creative, and digital agency. I've been with them for 10 years. This is my 11th year. So I actually am based in South Africa, but servicing um, global B2B and B2C clients. So I mainly work with the UK and South Africa, focusing mainly on permanent and um, contractual roles.
1: Amazing. And no I didn't actually realise it was your birthday. I'm really I'm really embarrassed to have asked you happy to turn birthday. up to this event on your birthday. I'm really sorry. I would have never have said. But thank you so much so for Well my birthday spending... was actually It okay. was
4: on Wednesday. It okay, on Wednesday, so I'm on leave.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Well that makes me feel like marginally better. But uh happy birthday to you and thank you so much for uh for joining us. Thank you. Um, Okay, Thank let's you. talk about sort of the the hiring. I mean, both of the, I think Megan and Lorato in particular. You mentioned like campus hiring. Is there a reason why that's an, a significant thing? Is that a big deal in South Africa? Um, how do, I mean, people are nodding their heads, So obviously it is. Why is it a big deal? Like, why is it, is there a, an interest? Uh, to recruit young people or is there like a, a compliance that you need to do it what's the what's the driver behind you know companies switching towards this early entry uh, segment uh, thoughts on this megan why don't we go with you first
2: sure so we, we as dimension data um in this in the south african um market we've got two uh avenues that we explore so we've got our more cream of the crop where we look at our, our top talent um and they have executive um exposure their white lab service basically to to get them to become our top leaders um, we find that they're very hungry they think differently to the guys who've been in the market for a long time um, and then we have a relatively new uh, channel that we do with uh, more of our technical um, talent um, and that is we partner also with um, previously disadvantaged youth or you know you know people who don't necessarily have access to uh, proper university degree type of work um, but and, and it's, it's amazing to see um, just what they can what uh, the youth are able to uh, teach themselves uh, just a little bit of a YouTube video or something here and they're able to teach themselves how to code. Uh, Dimension data also has a program that we partner with 20 of our um, underprivileged schools and that we do what's called our Saturday school program um and that's part of our it's a csr initiative giving back to the communities um so they come in grade 10 and 11 and 12 on a saturday and we um you know make sure that we get their maths and science marks up um and then we've got um additional so we've got a bursa program and then we've got our, our um graduate programs we do there are points that we get as well as part of our rbe um requirements um Which so that's you know kind side. of all with the compliance side yeah all right, so let's
1: talk about this because I'm conscious that there may be non-South Africans who are watching or listening to this. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna have to be the dumbass here and pretend. Well, I am actually one of those people. Uh, but tell me about the the compliance side. There is a scoring system, isn't there, uh, for all employers in South Africa? Can you can can all of you kind of just have a uh, let's go? With you, Megan, first, as you started it. But what is it and how does it work?
2: Um, so it's essentially a way to. Oh, maybe, Van, you may be a little bit more eloquent than I am with these sort of things. But, um, you know, we're just uh, uplifting, you know, obviously yeah. it's, oh it's, it's maybe better, better at explaining this. I'm sure you've done that a million times. Um, Wait, yeah, no. ben, I'm going to ask let, you
1: to do it let, for me. Let me put it this way as I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because it's maybe too, too big a topic to talk about. But is it, is it, uh, is it one of these where? I remember the first time I arrived in South Africa. Someone educated me on this. It's it's basically every company has a a score, like they're they they're, they're accredited and they're this there's a there's a number attached to that employer based on their contributions, I guess, uh, to social equity and and what have you, um, and what contributions can they make? You mentioned one of the things is to go ahead and uh, 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 set up schools for people and, and get sort of education levels up. Uh, is there a set things that they that they need to do or are they, uh, what kind of things that, you know, can I, how do I get my score up, I guess? I mean, any thoughts on this? Leratu, you got any thoughts so that you can help us with?
3: um i'm just i'm just empathizing with megan because you know (laughs) recruiters would kind of get the numbers and we're like okay we need this much diversity because we need to be scored at this rate and we, we need this level of bee kind of rating but essentially it's based on south africa's um historical kind of employment practices where there was a lot of discrimination against uh by poc people and so we are right now and really for probably the past 30ish years have been um, in the making efforts to hire consciously and hiring a little bit more um, deliberately in terms of how we spread um, the kind of diversity between um, white employees and by POC employees and South African by PLC employees, as well. Um, Sorry, PLC
0: stands for people of color. PDR stands for previously disadvantaged individuals. So yes, that will yes, help yes. You to keep <laughs>
3: it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm actually using by kind of as a catch all just because you, if you were of color, you were inherently previously disadvantaged in South Africa's history. And so that's kind of essentially the, the efforts behind um, hiring in diversity on one hand, but on the other hand as well, trying to allow this kind of systematic inaccessibility of the working environment to kind of collapse a little bit. And so I think that's potentially what Megan was referring to in terms of um, going out to like previously disadvantaged schools, local schools that may not have the kind of access. I mean, we've got, um, you know, sometimes interns that don't know that being a recruiter has a job because they only know three kinds of jobs. You can be a lawyer, you can be a doctor or, you know, what other kind of traditional thing. And so um, I think it really is all about access at the end of the day and trying to bridge the gap and being the lever in order for um, these guys to get the leg up that they need.
1: Yeah, I I think very, very interesting. And what's interesting also with South Africa is that this approach is, 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 is kind of being thought about in different parts of the world now. Uh, particularly in the us where there's different states and institutions starting to say you know what there's some historical disadvantages uh uh uh, for people of color particularly the black community um are there things that we can do oh we haven't done them uh we need to actually enforce it by having more strict uh kind of obligations to say actually this needs to happen even in 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 gender i think europe is more gender sort of focused in this way um The EU has recently rolled out legislation to say, okay, if you're a public listed business, uh, there needs to be uh, 40 percent minimum uh, gender sort of women on the board at this date. Uh, Otherwise, penalties will ensue as a result. And I think that's coming in, in 2016, 17, something like this. So different parts of the world are starting to adopt uh, these frameworks and these types of constraints in order to create a more diverse workforce and and a more equitable society. Um, But that's obviously something to think about if you are hiring in South Africa, it's not something that you can dismiss. It's a very prominent aspect of the thing. So, is can you give us some like broad idea as to what it, it needs to look like if I'm recruiting for a role in South Africa, um, uh, for
0: instance? Can, can I take this one?
1: Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody wants I, to so take this. Go, yeah.
0: I want to just explain. Having you know, I always get asked to speak about diversity when traveling around the world, speaking at conferences. It's, let me explain to you what it's like in South Africa. So when you sit in front of a hiring manager and they say, go and find me a marketing manager, it's normal for them to follow up and say, and I would like to have a female of color for this role. That is completely normal for us. You talk about that in the States and people nearly fall over. Um, But that is completely normal because people are trying to get their scorecards right. So the scorecard is in place to try and address the terrible history that we have, the less and illustrious history in South Africa of apartheid. So what we're trying to do is there's pillars that this um, kind of system is based on, and some of them are trying to get more females of colour into leadership positions. Uh, There's a lot of campus recruiting going because the more grads you have, the more you're investing in grads, the more your levels go. And we work on an eight level system. So we are from level one to level eight, level one being the best. And you are encouraged to do business as a business with other level one compliant companies. So it makes sense for the big corporates and the big enterprises to get that BEE rating correct based on their hiring. And that's why it affects us recruiters so much. So we are often told, I need you to go and find a disabled individual for this. And you're right in the uk it's all about gender and gender differences like in south africa it's not even a thing we were one of the first countries to legalize gay marriage because you know lgbtq isn't a thing we're still dealing with the issues of apartheid and race and that's where it comes into play a lot
1: that's a really great then you actually said
2: something sorry hang. i just wanted to add there um just in terms of doing business because it's also a procurement um uh, issue um, so as a corporate, we've got a preferred supplier list of agencies that we partner with, um, and we partner with agencies who are level one, level two, because, and we t- typically don't drop it below level two because it aids our, our points as, um, you know, as a corporate. So so that, that's where it also plays into, into the work that we do.
1: Very very interesting. Is there a, a resource online that we can have a look at for other people? Because I've, I've already seen people say in the chat, "Yeah, let's have a look at it." Um, if if oh, there you know, is the something, problem with,
0: the well, problem with that is, and as you can see, you got two, you got two lovely ladies on this panel who battled to articulate what it is because it changes frequently. It's very complex. It's very difficult to sum up and send anyone to it. Um, as i say i know from previous experience i have to stand up and talk about it internationally that's that you know it's it's difficult so i wouldn't say there's one resource but i would encourage anyone who needs any greater explanation to reach out to any of us and we'll try and explain it to you as the best we can
1: Yeah, very, very interesting, and uh, and of course this. I mean, there's some more complexity attached to this, isn't it? So I'm thinking, okay, let's say I set up a company in South Africa. I guess I'm starting from eight, right? I mean, like literally, I'm 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 at that your starting point is eight. Um, So uh, Megan, you don't you might
2: you might be exempt because you're an international company. We've dealt with a couple of agencies who are headquartered out of the UK, um, who who can apply for BE exemption. And then, right. and then we would treat that they would, you know, uh, for a corporate so I'm, I'm a, workers.
0: I'm a straight level four because I'm a uh, own my own business. I don't hire. I haven't recruited anyone into my business. And as a white female, where my good friend Lorato, same situation as me, is an immediate level one. As she is a solopreneur, but she's a black female, and that goes straight to a level one rating.
1: Right. Wow. That's that's really interesting. Like I say, mm-hmm. a lot of this is going to be very alien to people outside of the. Uh, outside of the, the local conditions. This is part of the reason why we do the world tour because it's important for us to just explore how, the, how it works. For instance, a lot of the things you're talking about here would not be legal, let's say in France, um, where they can't actually even pick up uh, ethnic identity information. Um, you know, The way in which they're trying to deal with equity is to just simply reduce the amount of information that's available so that you can do it in an anonymized way. Whereas in South Africa, that's not the case. Actually, I guess people, candidates, then are, pro- are they are they ethnically identified
2: on 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 a CV? Um, does that what does but, it look like? Is the, I mean, the part one of the ways that we're trying to help um, you know combat the previous you know our history. Um, you know, we, will, we I've had a situation where my HR business partner says to me, "If we've got two candidates who are." neck and neck, but the one may be slightly higher, but option B is an African female, the African female will get the job. Yeah, so, um, right, so right away. So, we, and we, so Because they would continue to be disadvantaged if we anonymized everything, because they haven't had access to the education, to the networks, to you know all of the things that their white counterparts have had.
1: Yeah, I mean, for instance, that scenario would not be flying in the UK. Um, no. So, and what, what by the way, I, I, yeah, I'm not saying one is better than the other. Just to describe how it works in, in the UK, I, I think you we can collect ethnicity data, and we can do things like um, uh, uh, kind of promote disadvantaged people or people from protected groups. Um, we can push and promote them further forward. Uh, but at the end of the day, the ideology is to say, look, we have to hire best person for job. Um, and that's the assessment. So what I like about this is that in terms of the global perspective is that there's lots of different techniques to try and address uh, a more equitable way of doing it um and we need to explore all of these because I, i'm sure we can learn from each other in terms of what is effective or what isn't um, now in terms of sort of how this works so one of the things i want to talk about uh and maybe you can chime in on this how do I know as a recruiter uh, what the ethnicity of the candidate is? Is that like just literally something? I mean, Malaysia has that. They have an ethnic category. You are Malaysian Chinese. That's literally in your ID. Uh, Is that how it works in South Africa? Or do I need to, I don't know, create an application form and ask the question? uh, How do I know, for instance, that my pipeline has enough people in order for me to recruit effectively and also to achieve my compliance? Was that
2: to me? I feel that like was, I've been just talking a lot. No, that was Nom. to Nom. Thank that you was for to that Nom, Nom. question, Hang. So... <laughs> Nom, did you hear the question?
4: Okay, thank you for that. So it's actually easier because... Yes, I did. I did. Can you hear me okay? Yep.
1: Yeah.
4: Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, amazing. So thank you for that question. So... What I've realized is that, so I'm going to talk to Kinred. like in our case, we've got an ATS whereby when a candidate applies, they either have to answer that question uh, related to their ethnicity. And then there's been cases whereby some avoid that question. So in that case, you have to either use your judgment. For instance, in my case, I know this name. Obviously, it belongs to this race or It's easy to even ask the the candidate during the interview process, but it has to be in a way that it doesn't indicate that you're trying to discriminate them, if I can put it that way. Because I remember there was a time when I was recruiting for a role and it had to be specific, like I had to find a candidate who's EE. So I had a great candidate, but now looking at them, I thought, oh my word, she's definitely white. So now I had to ask her in a nice way to say, look, this role is great for you, but I don't think you fit the role. So she was like, no, I'm, I'm colored. So it's actually easy if you've got that great relationship with the candidate, you can easily ask them. Or on the ATS system, there's a way in which you can track in terms of their ethnicity as well, should they is- choose to you know, answer that question.
1: All right. This is crazy, right? Because (laughs) the the reason why it's crazy, um, because I recently had Um, an argument online that that said, we're going to go, we might as well go there. Um, Basically, there was this person arguing about being able to transition from one ethnic category to to another. Um, I forget what the particular case was, Um, I I think it was some American person who was like an Italian individual, but she wanted to be Hispanic or something uh, and and literally adopted the name and said, I'm transitioning. And everyone's like just piling in on this person saying, no, you can't do this. And then I was thinking, like, why not? I mean, basically, ethnic uh, categories are actually socially constructed. um, More so, in fact. Um, then in then let's say gender, which uh, has a stronger case, I think, to say, you know what, here are clear categories. But if we're saying you can kind of move into different sort of categories, this seems to be the future, then perhaps we're gonna have a we're, like the system that South Africa set up might actually be under pressure. Um, because what we're saying there is that actually your, your, your ethnic identity is fixed. Now, if you go back into history in terms of how people move through, um, Ethnic categories. We've seen lots of evidence of people do this, usually to escape persecution. Actually, um, if you think the classic example is probably the Jewish example, um, moving to different parts of the world, they anglicize their name, they change it locally, and they try and pass through, and then eventually they uh, escape persecution through uh, through through that type of assimilation. So I think. I think it's going to happen. I think transracialism will become a DEI and i issue, um, even though right now it's still at the let's laugh at people stage. Uh, but remember, 10 years or so ago, even 15 years or so ago, Transgenderism was not a thing. It was also considered to be. What are you talking about? You know, this must yeah. be. It was even um, a, an article of, of comedy. Uh, so, so yeah, this is going to be interesting. Where we're going to go with this, Loretta, go just to go ahead.
3: Sorry, um, just to provide some context. So, companies, um, especially the more the more kind of traditional, older, um, publicly traded, you know, like people that have existed for forever, basically. So, we're talking banks and like long-standing retailers, brick and mortar, and so on they get um, not only financial rebates from hiring within a certain quota in terms of redressing the the, uh, racial, specifically racial discrimination, because it doesn't fall under any other category besides the racial discrimination was inherently based on, or rather the racial discrimination was inherently kind of attributed a previously disadvantaged person. South Africa's democracy is not that old. And so this is something that companies will um, have a quota for and then will specifically assign positions depending on the levels. Um, I think Megan touched on this and someone in the chat as well, that this is an EE position. So this is an employment equity targeted position because we've got enough um, you know, diversity at this level, at that level, but zero at Exco level. And that could be... Um, uh that yeah so that could be you know racial but employment equity specifically also refers to gender so in the context where we're talking about like the affirmative actions the affirmative action kind of efforts within south africa to identify somebody's um race and be kind of give them a leg up. when you talk employment equity we're starting to talk about specifically labor law constructed policies that prevented certain subsets of people from getting certain types of jobs. And so then we will delegate, like uh, Megan said, a position with my (laughs) uh, uh, HR history, but uh, that's long gone because I'm now a recruiter. Like Megan said, we sit in front of a hiring manager and they say, I want a marketing manager and it needs to be a black female. That from an HR perspective, we have gotten a quota from a CETA which are establishments that require these quotas to be met. And then we have to earmark these positions as employment equity positions. And at the end of the financial year, we have to report back on, did we in fact hire this diversity into these positions? And did we meet the kind of, I don't know if it's social moral, but I think it is a social requirement. I'm not, yeah, I'm not too, I'm not too clear on on that, but yes, that's essentially what like hiring for an EE candidate kind of comes from. The recruiter doesn't necessarily make that decision. Um, for instance, Bash is fairly new, so we are one two two years old now. Um, we do not yet have EE requirements built into our positions, so the hiring diversity is more kind of altruistic of an effort from us recruiters, which I guess it helps that we're both black females, myself and the other recruiter. Whereas in longer standing businesses, there are actual requirements that are set out at the beginning and positions have to be earmarked for that diversity hiring
1: yeah i i really appreciate that interjection um lorato because um the uh, what you're saying is that basically you can create and actually identify certain roles that are essentially there to uh, create that equity i think you call it ee is that right um mm-hmm. and uh, that makes it very very clear to everybody that this is a role that's going to be earmarked in that way uh, and in fact some of the people on the chat here are, are just talking about it and saying actually this is a really almost a shockingly uh, a, a frank way of discussing diversity which is it which the US and UK and other places tend to do it still euphemistically You guys almost
0: been, like walk on eggshells when you talk about diversity whenever I'm overseas I can't believe it and so then I'm just like yeah,
1: people are very, uh, very are terrified uh, and and uh, yeah. I, I think again this is this is something that you know we could learn from different countries because I think just so, Africa jokes a happen.
3: lot as well about like our racial differences sure. our history our like and it's not it's not glib right like we don't joke about it because we think apartheid was super fun or colonialism is hilarious but i think south africans like as a nation we we like speak at a thing very directly with a lot of humor behind it create lots of kind of safer spaces i i don't know what the environment is like in in foreign countries I've never recruited for or in those countries but it kind of creates a safer space to just have the conversation it's there Just be
0: who you are bring your yeah. whole self to work and just it's bring really- your
3: whole self and if it is something that needs to be questioned yes it gets incredibly uncomfortable when I'm trying to recruit an engineer but I have to turn down the other guy because the black guy has slightly less experience but this is an employment equity position so i have to go with him and some candidates can be confrontational about it but we're we're a direct nation we we just we speak at the thing and i think that's what's potentially helped us in recruitment to outright just like Norm was saying ascertain are you white or are you colored because i can't tell from your picture or your name and it's yep. not an offensive question
2: no, but I think not... you raised a, a, an important point there, Lorata. Sorry, Hang, on. just very Go quickly, ahead. you do still have to be very careful that you're not discriminating. Because, you know, even though we have these legal requirements, you can still be discriminating against the white guy. And then you'll get white guys who go, oh, it's just because I'm white. That's why, you you know, you're declining me. It's like, no, you're not right for the role. Yes, (laughs) but that's why
3: why it's worked into HRM studies at UNISA, at UCT, at most of our Ivy League universities in South Africa, fair discrimination with the logic behind it, for sure. So you cannot kind of... Um, And I think that's why it's important to just contextualize that as recruiters, this isn't like a willy-nilly decision we make to just be like, okay, well, I'm going to hire the other guy. This comes from top down. It's a rule. It's from the HR practitioners who are on top of the Labor Law Relations Act changes, which has happened a lot more frequently since 2020, um, who are on top of employment equity regulations. And so they are the guys who brief that in. And so by the time a recruiter is posting a job post and has to put that little line at the bottom that says this is an employment equity position I forget the wording Mm. that has come from the business itself so sort of a safeguard in terms of unfair discrimination like by preference maybe
1: Okay, one quick, one quick question, and I'm asking this on behalf of of the audience. Uh, What is the percentage of positions that are uh, sort of uh, uh, that designated EE? Is, Is there a flat number? How does that work?
2: I guess it, it depends on your your sector, it depends on the role, the level of the role, what your company looks like at the moment. I know when I was heading up the TA team, I sat um, monthly with our um, you know head of BE, and she'd say, okay, well this is what our numbers look like today. What are you doing uh, over the next quarter to to align them to what they need to be? So we do have a guideline that comes from the government. Um, the vision that says this is what it needs to look like. And we need to kind of get as close to that as possible.
1: Right, got it, got it. And show movement,
2: you know, because it's going to take
1: time. So essentially, what a company has to do is look internally on workforce population. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're going to have to put it through an ethnic lens or a gender and a gender lens, let's say, um, and then you're going to and, and a disability one. I remember that was one of the talks at Sam's yeah. event. Um, and then you've got to basically try and get those numbers in the right direction, and the, the instruction will then roll down to the internal recruiters to say, Larata, you don't think that's true? Is that um,
3: no? I was just going to say it's all true. Um, interestingly right now and this isn't this isn't (laughs) to reveal company secrets or anything but interestingly right now as bash as young as we are as new as we are on the market it's more intuitive at the moment as like an establishment versus a given number a given percentage with within various functions because in finance you've got these guys in engineering you've got those guys and so we don't actually currently have kind of a yardstick for this is where we're aiming. We kind of instinctively, just like as recruiters ourselves, just like look at the team we're hiring for, look at the position and the level, and just kind of go, um yeah, there's not enough diversity here, and then we just have to kind of it figure how out how it should
1: be. Yeah. Okay. So, so but I, that I, involves
3: I, a lot of bias, which can get dangerous quickly. I think. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. yes, they, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: On on that note, absolutely. And by the way, folks, just again, for the for our listeners here, uh, there's certain terminology that's going to be okay in one place and the terminology is not going to be okay in another. Uh, in South Africa, it is okay to use the word colored. Uh, it is actually <laughs> a kind <casualty laughs> of person. Uh, in the US, that's like no bueno, and right? And colored does um, not
3: mean black in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's
1: a different type of person. <laughs> so, so, but again, it's, it's, it, it, that type of interaction teaches a little bit about how... Uh, cu- culturally, contextually, these things are, and they—they're they, not universal. They just happen as a result of historical sort of circumstances um, and, and all of these ideas that we're wrestling. with. This is why it's, I think I think very, very important. That even though we can learn from each other we should all we need to absolutely respect local conditions at all times uh because you cannot just like roll out one thing that works in one place to another because the cultural or historical context is totally different um so okay we seem to have lost norm i'm not going to call her back she, she should be having a holiday somewhere um <laughs> but we've got to get some other people on screen so we're going to say goodbye to megan and Ratu here uh thank you so much for joining us folks really, really interesting. Um, please do share your links in the LinkedIn chat, by the way, make sure everyone can can kind of uh, connect with you too and learn more. Uh, and folks, whilst we're doing this, um, we also want to take the opportunity to, to do exactly this. This is a really fascinating topic. Um, I would recommend anybody who's watching this, if you're interested to learn more about how South Africa deals with diversity uh, in recruiting. Now is a good time for us to um, uh, connect with as many people as possible. So take a moment, take your LinkedIn URL and share it in the chat stream in Crowdcast. Then make sure you connect with everyone else who has done the same. Uh, If you're watching this on LinkedIn, why don't you do the same again? Uh, open up another tab, take your LinkedIn URL, share it in the comments, and then connect with everyone else that you see there. Uh, Hopefully you'll emerge from this. I can see actually lots of South African people are watching this. Um, You're gonna merge with a bunch of people that actually have lived experience and professional experience of how to operate and work in this uh, environment. By the way, Luke, thanks for watching along. I totally forget that you have both obviously recruited in South Africa as well. I should have brought you onto the show. Um, No, Norm, you're meant to abandon the event. Uh, go and have your go and have your <laughs> your birthday. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, w- wonderful um, to see you, um and uh, and great for uh, for sharing your time and uh, in 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 when you should be uh, with your family and friends. So uh, wonderful thank to see you. No, thank you. Um, you take care yourself, okay. Yeah.
0: Home, that's why I was saying at the you. conference last week for- is that celebrities hey. are such great uh, sources of diverse talent because we all have to do it. We forced to, and was- we. All- Yo, you know, it, it makes sense now, hopefully, because we yeah. have to,
1: have always had to recruit
0: like
1: this. You know what I would say is that's it, I would say it's a yes, uh, but there's also some again conditions that are going to make it difficult. Again, I'm looking at France like, how do you do diversity recruiting in France? Totally impossible. Um, you can't do name searches, you can't, you, you have to do like really almost perverse things like figure out like how many uh, people might live in this certain area, like demographically yeah. speaking, oh, people in like N1 that tend to be from you know, Nigeria or something, great, let's go yeah. and recruit purely in that postcode. You're shooting in the dark. So it's very, very difficult. But you're right. I, I think we can learn a lot from how South Africa d- does it, but it's not all perfect. I mean, there's, there's a scenario um, in, uh, I think similar in the Middle East, we, we had the conversation hiring Saudi Arabia earlier. Um, and again, we went through that process. But sometimes when you create like hard numbers and say we need to recruit this number, yeah. obviously it's a big recruitment problem. It's going to extend the amount of time it takes to recruit, um, and Absolutely. in fact, you may end up recruiting uh, individuals that are not suitable for post because yeah. of your pressure to push push people through and to hit 100%. those numbers.
0: Yes, so, we see that happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, difficult. Let's bring on. Let's bring on Sam. Uh, Jonathan, I'm going to bring you on in a minute. Um, I think Sam is here. Uh, Sam's the only recruitment agent, I think um that i can think about actually luke's there i don't know whether luke's up for, for joining us. i don't know whether he is uh don't, don't matter luke you have. he's probably in his pajamas um but um <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like randomly pull people on screen uh, yeah. uh, screw it let's get jonathan on as well i thought i'd keep him from his nice uh nice uh view on the sea let's get him in here brilliant Um, and uh, we'll we'll see what we think about it because there's other things to think about apart from diversity. Like, what is the overall economic environment? Um, what is there? She is Sam. How are you doing? Sam, you're muted, my dear. The first time ever you can't hear Sam. Sure, I (laughs) can't
0: even hear her from Joburg, so that's quite something.
1: How's guys? There's Jonathan. Jonathan. (laughs) Great to see you, Jonathan. Sam, do you want to unmute?
0: So just I check you
1: can find. Yeah, we're still off. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? All right, uh, Jonathan Koch, um,
5: been in the recruitment game can you hear me? for about 24 years or so. Um, yes,
1: Sam, we can hear you now. Go right, ahead, Jonathan. Um,
5: yeah, um, and uh, worked up from recruitment agencies into corporate uh, for a while, and uh, now involved with a number of tech startups
1: in the recruitment space. Fantastic stuff. Great to see you, Jonathan. Um, And Sam, I think we can hear you okay now. So, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do?
6: Sure. I'm Sam. I'm going to start off by saying I do Recruiters Unite, um, where we've actually just announced we're going to do it next year again, which is super exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I specialize in global tech recruitment.
1: Fantastic stuff. Uh, Sam, if you've got the, the link, if people can do an early bird, share in the link in the chat stream there. Uh, people might as well partake in that. The reason why I was in Cape Town, by the way, uh, this uh, uh, the, these last few days was because uh, I was invited by Sam to uh, to the event to give a, give a talk. So uh, fantastic to see events happening in Cape Town. Uh, wonderful to meet so many people. And I believe that those in-person events will become even more important in this kind of, generative AI world that is kind of going to completely wash over all of us. Um, I think the one thing that's always going to be different is our ability to interact with human beings. We're never going to want to not do that, apart from, you know, I mean, I guess you might have a situation where you, you're you a misanthrope, you know. I mean, sometimes I, I kind of uh, slide into that myself. Uh, but, you know, most people would generally like to, to connect and hang out. So uh, wonderful to see that back for another year. Um, okay, let's talk about the wider economic environment. Um, we've, we've talked initially, uh, sort of, uh, Van was talking about, you know, what the, all the competitive advantages south africa has like, we just so we many just had, had norman and, and lorata and and uh and meganon talking about the we ended up talking more about the I aspect even though it wasn't the intent but what about the macroeconomic conditions what are you seeing in south africa um how does it all look to you and let's not be afraid to say the 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 the, the reality of it um how do you read it sam why don't we go to you first you're an agent so i think you can learn a lot from how agents see jobs coming through. There's almost like an antennae into the marketplace there. How are you reading things for 2023?
6: I think it's tough, really tough. 2018 was a rough year, and I think we're going to have another one. I've, a, a lot of, because um, we've got our network, and I, I'm friends with a lot of agency owners as well, and a lot of them are saying that this is the worst start that they've had in years. <laughs> So I, I think we are in a rough, in a in a rough wave. And also, what happens in America comes to us normally three to four months later. And the can I swear? And the shit hasn't hit the fan in the states.
1: Not, uh, so I, I would say yes, I could scrub it, but I can't actually control what people say. Uh, so okay. yeah, it's, it's, gone out, it's gone out there now. But it's never done. mind, yeah. never mind. Haven't been banned, yet. Very okay. <laughs> um <laughs>
6: So, but, so I, 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 think, I think we need to buckle in. I, I think we're in for a rough year.
1: That's very interesting because o- only 12 months or so ago, everyone was hitting record numbers, weren't they? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think in 2022, 20- is it 2022? Uh, kind of, uh, years are all gone, but everyone walked out of 2022 with record we've never built so much or whatever it was it was crazy or was it even 2021 i don't even remember when it was uh but we, we certainly had that long period where we're knocking it out but it looks like the the, the wheels have fell, fallen off at, on a global level and everyone is talking about cost of living crisis we have bank failures in the us uh just, just seepage of confidence out there and i guess was feeling that uh in 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 this regard as well um Jonathan, going to you, what's your perspective as an entrepreneur? Like, it's your responsibility to kind of be aware of this, isn't it? So how are you seeing uh, the, the, the wider uh, economic environment for South Africa right now?
5: Sure. From, from a South African perspective, obviously, inflation is a big problem. And I think inflation is a big problem everywhere else in the world. Um, but our food inflation, for instance, has been um, steady at about 20% for the last five years, year on year. So every year we see an increase of about 20% um, and that's something that we've kind of adjusted to. Um, and I think the rest of the world is probably going to have to go through a process where they start adjusting to, to what that actually feels like.
1: What is the theory behind this? Did you did you, do you have a theory as to why it's like consistently increased in this way? Yeah, they, you see, um,
5: so, so our, our government, in my opinion, um, I'd like to just state that, in my opinion, has made some really bad decisions. Um, And they have run state-owned enterprises into the ground. um, And they have created opportunities for people to invest in other countries um, and not in South Africa. So you have a number of global players that have been sitting on the sidelines wanting to invest in South Africa, and they just don't feel that their money is safe here. And as a result, we've gone from uh, an environment uh, 13 years ago where the dollar to the rand was sitting at 6 rand to the dollar. It's now sitting at close to 20 rand to the dollar. Um, so you you you're basically having the depreciation of our currency um, at a at a rapid rate, um, and that's forcing um, inflation. And the reality of the matter is that that grains and fuels all bought in US dollars, mm. um, and um, and that has a negative impact on on um, the growth of the country. We have pretty much not grown at all if you look at it um, over the last. 14 years, um, 14, 15 years since the, the last financial crisis, there's pretty much been zero growth in this country. Um, and unfortunately, we have a growing population, it's fortunate and unfortunate at the same time, a growing population of people that are well educated, that can't find work. Um, so, that, that's that's one of the, the sad things. So I actually encourage, at this point in time, the brain drain that we're seeing. Uh, I don't like to say that because I think it's sad, um, but the reality of the matter is that people need to be able to feed themselves and their families. So if you've yep. got young guys with with degrees and honors degrees, uh, I was approached the other day with a guy that, that's got a master's degree um, and he has not been able to find work at all with a master's degree. Um, and he's been battling for three years to find just an entry-level job in his field. So... When you're looking at all of these 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 components, these different moving parts, and then obviously you can see that there is is definitely an opportunity for some people um, in foreign markets to either acquire skills or outsource to South Africa. Um, I like the outsourcing idea. I like the fact that so many organisations are starting to say, "Well, great, there's really good skill in South Africa, and the rand isn't doing well, um, so for them it's cheap labour in South Africa. It's it's the case of well, I got a job." You know, um, I'm grateful for that. So um, there, there are a couple of moving parts beyond that, of course. But um, is, is, finally, that,
1: yeah. is that potential a sort of way to do it in the sense where, you know, because of the initial advantages that Van was talking about, it's almost like attracting international companies to, to put an office in or at least put the jobs here um, so that they could be performed by South Africans yes at a cheaper rate and it could be that that's a cost competitor so that's still a good uh, salary. it's mm-hmm. still a good salary the money yep. is still it's, it's almost a form of remittance when you think about it because the money's coming from uh, uh one country back to africa whereas previously it's been in the reverse sort of direction um the alternative of course is the migration out um which of course we've seen sort of a a great deal of i mean most of the south africans of course people encounter are indeed individuals that have left um so so that is an example of what what does occur as well and it reminds me a little bit of you know uh, southern europe and eastern europe also where a lot of those countries have got a very difficult brain drain scenario uh but they, they also have a, a depopulation scenario because they, they're not actually uh having enough uh, sort of uh, kids um so for instance country like Bulgaria year on year is actually going down like by five hundred thousand every year in terms of population size and you think that's not good you know that, that's like that's really beautiful. fast and not not good so i think think it
0: comes out very much down to a subjective perspective of where you are in your life and your career and you know those kind of things i mean i'm i I choose to stay i have a british passport i could leave at any time but believe in south africa i don't have rose tinted glasses on i recognize we have problems and things like that but the the opportunities for entrepreneurs in this country and startups is absolutely amazing. Cape Town actually has the biggest population of digital nomads in the world. And those are a lot of people from all over the world running startup businesses. It's absolutely incredible. You've just got to know how to work the system. And that for me is, is, Is the best way to do it you've got to make sure that you make allowances for this load shedding get solar in your house if you can afford it if not find a communal workspace where you can all put together and south africans are the most resilient people that i know we will always make a plan and i think that that's where the big difference comes into play here is that we have such adversity like I, I, I laugh at some people from other countries when, you know, their biggest adversity is the Starbucks is only three blocks away from the, their house. And now they have to drive there. <laughs> I mean, come on, Starbucks only arrived in this country five years ago. And that's, that's what I love about the South African spirit um, and the way that people tackle all of this diversity. Um, and I just think it's, where you are, very subjective. Um if your family has been a victim of a violent crime, I totally understand. You know, it's it it really is something that you can't have a blanket approach to every South African. Yeah,
5: yeah. I, I, I liked I like the, the um I like the explanation that, that Vanessa gives there. I think I think from an opportunities perspective, there's a lot of opportunity here simply because we've got a highly skilled labor force um that is to a large degree unemployed. Um, if you look, and I, um, actually at uh, Sam's conference, I spoke about this. If you if you look at our workable population, we've got 40 million people in the country that possibly could be working. There's only 15 million people that are working, um, and you have the universities churning out massive amounts of a uh, degreeed potential candidates for various jobs, and they're just not finding work. So the opportunity to to leverage off that is is, is great. If you look at at Western world right now, um, whether it be the states, the UK, there, there's a shortage of labour, um, and we've got an abundance of it. So there's definitely an opportunity there from from that standpoint. For sure.
1: Um,
5: I think I think that the more that people realise that, um, the better it will become for a, a, a larger group of people in South Africa, provided, well, of course, that there isn't a drain in other other sectors as a result of bad government decisions
1: yeah well well i mean the 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 kind of outline that you've laid out there su- suggests to me very much that the you know the, the the joint talent model might be the way you know where you have a, a remote only business in a different country can't find the local yeah. labor would love to bring people over but immigration is obviously difficult as well i mean you look at even though uh, sort of countries sort of like to say yeah we're immigration friendly very few countries really are, Um, you know, they will put big barriers in the way. Um, So it might be more simple for a business owner to think I'm going to set up an office or at least a a location in Mm -hmm. South Africa and hire local people there and then deliver the service. So maybe that's the thing. Sam, I wonder whether you've had that type of requirement coming at you? I mean, do you get international customers with that type of uh, that type of requisition?
6: Loads, and I think that's predominantly my recruitment is companies in the States hiring South Africans, and they don't even mind working South African hours because there is an overlap. Um, and because South Africans are so independent and have that entrepreneurial spirit, we don't need to be micromanaged. Um, so I've, I've seen that, I mean, that, that really boosted last year. Um, but that's what's continuously growing now. That's very interesting. It
1: it seems to me that what needs to happen, because it will be a discovery problem for those companies, right? So a US company or a UK company, French company, whatever it is, they may have the idea, oh, I want to, you know, do something in South Africa. They'll have no clue. They they would not know how to do it unless they had some local connection. Yeah, probably is something that could be done even systematically to say, you know, destination brand, if you like, um, the country and say, look, there's opportunity to hire great people here. Um, and, you know, when you're working in, in, a, in a big organization, international company, I think your confidence increases as well. Uh, your, your learning will increase. Your network will increase. That should be a future entrepreneur, a future business owner, let's say. Uh, another person that might start something in the country and then, you know, uh, start and hire in the same place as well. So very, very interesting. Um, okay, uh, we have to, we're running out of time, folks. So sorry for Jonathan and Sam that you only got a little bit of time. But let's, before we kind of let you go, um, let's, uh, what kind of bit of advice would you have for a company that was thinking of, of hiring uh, somebody in South Africa or putting an office up here? What kind of uh, sort of advice would you give uh, to that person? Um, why don't you, uh, why don't we go with you, firstly, Jonathan?
5: Um, I think the only advice I'd really give is just do it. You know, it's, you, you're ending up with a situation where your, your, your cost of hire is so much lower than it is anywhere else in the world. It's probably half the price, more or less. Um, so, you really have a golden opportunity there to, to reduce your overall cost, especially if you're a startup. Um, and you're able to, to hire world-class skill. Um, so it's, it's a no-brainer in my mind, um, and that's yep. one of the reasons why we do all of our work here in South Africa. Why, you know we, We've got our products um, that we're trying to push into various parts of the world, but the reality of the matter is that if I had to try and develop some of this, the software, et cetera, that, that we've developed abroad in the States or in the UK, I would not have been able to afford to actually get to where we are at the moment. Yeah, so I yeah. think that, that that's a that's an important point. There are obviously rules and regulations, et cetera, et cetera, that govern investment, um, but it doesn't need to necessarily be an investment. It could be just an employee working abroad, you know? So there, there are ways of making it feasible.
1: Yeah, you know? and that's how, and to be honest with you, we've seen organizations like Deal and Remote.com and stuff like that starting to, I mean, they have raised more money as a category of of, of, of work tech than any other Uh, Because I think that a lot everyone sees that as generally the future where a company should not be constrained in terms of their uh, uh, sort of country with regards to who they should be hiring. Um, Okay, Sam, how about you? A bit of advice for a a business that can't hire people looking to hire somebody and, you know, why should they hire South Africa? What, what, What should they do?
6: Yeah. Super quick. We South African companies recruitment process really suck. They haven't upgraded. It's long. It's tedious. The feedback's awful. And what I've found is people in the States, they have really nailed it. So when they come to South Africa, they automatically win over our candidates with their awesome process. So if you want to continuously hire a successful year, just make sure that your process is fantastic and world-class.
1: So that is even another good uh, uh, sort of reason to do it. It could be that your existing processes are actually very, very suited to the candidate mentality in South Africa and actually very, very welcome. Maybe even an upgrade. So, um, you know, you might even win the candidate engagement, candidate experience side of it. Uh, Okay. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Van, I've got to leave it to you. Final word. Uh, What would you say to uh, outsiders who, you know, thinking about maybe hiring someone in South Africa?
0: I just I completely echo what the other two uh, Jonathan and Sam have said is just don't even think about it just do it for me it's a complete and utter no brainer um, I've seen it work before there are many successful companies out there powered by South Africans I mean what developer doesn't want to sit in beautiful South Africa coding in their underpants never having to go into an office I mean just do it leave the people here so that they can bring your nas nice, foreign uh, exchange salaries into the country they can help to boost our economy it's a win-win for everyone and if you yeah, want to know man. more just shout i'm happy to chat
1: we all know that jonathan is in his underpants right now i mean um this <laughs> very <laughs> very clear how? cameras like fixed position very clear <laughs> that, it, that don't get up, you guys <laughs> I, 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 I don't want any proof of this and sam we all we already know sort of what your situation is there so um all right listen <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks all our guests. It's awesome. Um, uh, uh, thank you very much for uh, spending time with us. Um, we're going to be uh, doing more of these world tours. Every place I'm going to go, I'm going to try and speak to local crews. I hope you understand why I'm doing it. It's important we learn from everybody else. It's important we hear from local people before we kind of listen to what the media is telling us about a particular country. I found that that's usually inaccurate. You got to speak to the individuals on the ground, and figure it out from there. Um, all right. So thank you very much, Sam. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Van. Great to see you guys. I'll hopefully see you soon.
0: See you next week.
1: Cheers. Cool, cool, cool. Wasn't that great, folks? Very educational uh, indeed. I hope you enjoyed that. That was a great uh, conversation. Um, We'll be back next week, of course. It's going to be Friday as ever. We are going to be talking about neurodiversity. In fact, we're going to be talking about the mental health challenges of being a neurodivergent recruiter. Um, We have Van coming back uh, to help us with that. We also have Balash from Hungary, he's going to join us. And also Michael Cohen, the Batman himself, um, is going to be joining us here as as well. Uh, This will be real talk from recruiters who are talking about the challenges that they've had as people who perhaps are neuroatypical, not only their own challenges, but in fact recognition of how their behaviors and their psychology, their psychological condition has in fact impacted others. And then perhaps we can figure out exactly, you know, how we can together handle some of these, uh some of these situations. Anyway, I hope you're gonna join us for that. Follow the channel if you're interested in this type of conversation and we'll see you next week.